You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes. I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Eslem Sala, Cosette Wackmeister, and John Bergling to discuss what makes a successful startup. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So Cosette, would you like to introduce introduce yourself first? Sure. Thank you for having me, Abby. Really appreciate it. Uh, I've been in the tech industry for a very long time, and I've co-founded three tech companies. The most recent is the Impact Startup Movement. And that's a platform that measures companies' emissions and connects them with frontier carbon removals to help them reach net zero. I have an educational background in behavioral sciences, and I mean, I've, I've been interested in the connection between tech and humans and, you know, human beings and sustainability for a long time. So I feel it's kind of natural that I ended up here. Apart from that, I'm a senior advisor for AI um, company called Tendium, and I also mentor female entrepreneurs from the Middle East through the Swedish Institute, and just recently also joined a company as their member of the board. I have a very holistic view of entrepreneurship. I want to say this because it's it's very defines who I am a lot, just like entrepreneurship or just life and everything. And I believe that all areas around the business, like product, community people, society, and also environment. And, you know, all of these things need to be addressed for the company to be successful and in a true sense for me. You need to account that, you know, society is not just you or just your companies. It, it, it um, contains a lot of different things. And apart from that, I am married. I have two kids, three and seven years old. I love hanging out with them, of course, but I also have uh, long dinners with my friends a lot. That's one of my favorite things to do, too. And I love to watch movies and read about new cool things within tech. I'm a bit nerdy when it comes to solving puzzles and stuff like that. So, yeah, a little bit geeky. And uh, that's a short one on me. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Cosette. Um, John, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, my name is John. And... Um... I started my first company when I was 19, which was also inside tech and uh, it was around 2009, which before the influencer time, but uh, we started a, um, a company called FaceAd where we could basically do commercials on um, Facebook's own feed uh, before Facebook had their sponsored, uh, sponsored ads. Um, and we built sort of a dashboard where we recruited ambassadors who could um, sort of sign up to different commercials or different sort of areas where they want to promote and get a kickback on clicks and or buy or leads or something like that. Um, so um, and after that, I've been uh, working with both uh, in advertising uh, and now in the latest, I am one of two founders of Sverio Group, uh, which is a, a company listed on Nasdaq um, and operates the marketplaces Yaytrade, uh, Reway and uh, SaaS platform uh, Sverio Solutions. So our mission is that we, we want to help consumers and brands to sort of extend their life of products uh, by helping them sell uh, both overstock or secondhand, uh, either by Trade or via Reway, uh, or sort of creating their own resale websites. 
Um, and we help them with everything from logistics to product enrichment to uh, the technology behind it. Um, and um, I'm soon a father, so it's it's, uh, it's one week left uh, until the due date, so it's uh, very exciting. Um, and um, so uh, very pumped for that, and um, and it's gonna be. Uh, it's going to be a hectic time uh, coming forward here, but uh, I'm so excited to 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 enter that world. Uh, as you said, already been there for a couple of years, so it's going to be very exciting. Um, and regarding um, the entrepreneurship, my my dad was was always an entrepreneur, and I'm sort of raised to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and I love sort of the the way to to work as an entrepreneur to sort of to invent and to every day solve problems uh, and not only work towards sort of work towards to change something and towards a mission to have a vision toward changing the people, normal people's lives basically um, and helping them solve their daily problems. Um, so, and I'm very excited to be in this podcast to talk with you guys. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, John. And last but not least, Eslam, a little introduction to you. Hey, Abby. Thank you for having me here today. And my name is Islam Salah, and I am the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Lupinta, our startup called Lupinta. I started to work with food when I was eight years old in a family business in Egypt, where I come from originally. And uh, growing up in uh, in, a, in a in a village, buying and selling uh, the the raw material to the farmers, uh, like made me at the very early childhood learning about the farmer produce the raw material, the quality, and can make like assessment quality assessment and put a price on the whatever farmers produce. At the age of 11, I used to be standing on my own doing that. And as a child, I didn't know that was a skill. It came natural to me since I grew up in that kind of environment, right? And then growing up, uh, my faith <laughs> like guided me into, into studying agricultural science. It was not like really my first choice. But, you know, like the, you know, like sometimes grades play a role in what education you choose. So, <laughs> so for me, I ended up uh, in uh, studying agricultural science. But then studying agricultural science, I did really love. I didn't know like what kind of like world I'm, 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 I'm tapping into because it turned out it is not really about only farming or planting seed or making crops. It's much bigger than that. Then moving to Sweden, I worked also for a food import company here located in Malmö. And uh, then I started my own company. Then I started a food uh, entrepreneurship network because it was around, there was like, there was a lot of tech communities, but like not food communities around. And then I started a company or the startup we have, like I'm running right right now, Lupinta, and that's what's the reason for it because I uh, I have making food, making food for my friends, and they tend to like lupin snacks, which I used to eat it and buy it and sell it as a child, uh, and grown up like liking it and having it like part of my. Uh, as a snacks and then I decided to make it and then 
it turned out that like we can farm lupin here in Europe and in Sweden. And there was like the question, why do we import 32 million tons of soy every year from outside the EU while we having a local European alternative, which is lupin? So I mm. put myself on the question, changing something in our food system here in Europe and beyond. And yeah, I think that's about like the how I got into entrepreneurship and why food. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's still something about me. And uh, yeah, that's short intro about me. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone, for that. So um, now that we've got a context to each of you, we will move to the topic in focus. So you've all uh, given me a few questions about what it makes to create a successful startup. And this podcast will work slightly differently to previous ones as you've all got your few questions. Um, so we'll do just them, uh, just some questions as we go. So the first question will come from you, Cosette. Um, and you asked, do you need co-founders? Uh, so give us some context as to why you asked that question or your thoughts and opinions. And then we will work our way around the group. Yeah, sure. Well, the reason why I asked the question is because I um when I mentor entrepreneurs they, they're usually sometimes they just have an idea and they don't know how to start or they want to start and they're like oh but maybe I need a co-founder and and uh, I would like to discuss around that because I know people that have succeeded by fun funding you know founding companies um themselves and found funding through that too but I've just recently noticed that a lot of investors they don't really want to invest in a soul founder uh, they they want a lot of different like we need a CEO a CTO and and you know some kind of COO to, to actually think that it's a team worth investing in because one of the things that they say is like you don't only invest in the company you invest in a team and the people uh, and, and that's also the biggest reason why startups fail so that's why I thought that could be an interesting topic to discuss because we have both co-founders and 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 lone founders <laughs> founders <laughs> here in the podcast today brilliant Eslam so would you like to kick us off no thank you for that Koza Eslam would you like to kick us off as you are the sole founder of Lupinza yeah uh, really good question and I expect to give no answer no answer to it because it is really relative so sometimes you think like for me like my experience starting the company on my own and even with more barriers, because starting in a foreign country to me as well, also not speaking the language, and not having so uh, so big network around. And that was like the first barrier for me to have a co-founder. So I tried at the beginning to have a co-founder, but it was not really easy or not finding the right fit for me. And since then, I'm 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 uh, I'm working with Lupinta as the sole founder, and we have been taking steps, and we have been achieving milestones. While I am the sole founder, of course, we uh, we saw the like the, the the same thing about like yeah, do we want to invest in sole founder? And that's like mainly. On the VC side, maybe angel investor less sensitive to that. Uh, but then uh, it has, I would say, it is nothing wrong, nothing wrong or right. 
we have seen a lot of mega successes was based on a sole founder, but also having co-founder could be really helpful, but having the wrong co-founder could be also a killer. So it is depends on if you're going to be like the sole founder, who is the sole founder, and if it will be co-founder, who are the people on the on like like being uh, part of that? Because it could be extremely painful, and the conversation comes after when things becomes difficult, when people mm. have different needs, like someone like wanna have stability, someone cannot take the the workload. You know, if they are employed at the company, you know what to do mm. with them. But if they are your co-founder, what to do with them? You mm. make it on your own, and you like some people carry. Uh, heavier loads or it will be yeah. you know like it will be just like you go on with you know like with have a company even you have co-founders so just like it is relatively uh it's kind of like relative question actually yeah mm. and, and and i agree with the fact that like if when or if you have co-founders i think one of the one of the most important thing is to like see what or, do you have the same vision is it do you, are you doing this for fun do you have an exit strategy? Like, are, what what do you think about the company? Do you want a lifestyle company? Uh, how do you want to take in more? Do you want to take in funding, or do you want to bootstrap it? I mean, talk about all those things before they're even there, just to, you know, be clear and 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 write an agreement, sign a contract. For God's sakes, you, the best thing is to sign a contract while you're friends. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, why you really love each other? No, I'm just kidding. I, I've actually just had amazing co-founders, so I can't. Um, I, I've been lucky in that way. We, I've had really great co-founders, and no, no weird weird things happening. But um, agreements. We've also also always signed agreements at the beginning, and be very clear about the roles too, because the startup. You know, you do kind of everything and nothing and all uh, everything at once and, and all of those things. So clear roles is also very important from my perspective to like you do that and I do that so that shit gets done. And also uh, uh, no one feels like you're taking my thing or the other way around. Someone's but, working too much, like Aslam said. Hmm. Sure. And yeah, I go, agree. go ahead, John. It's like a, it's like a marriage, but you need to sort of you're, you're finding your best friend for a couple of years ahead. So sort of you need to you need to sort of first off, you need to have agreement, like you said. But it's also you need to sort of Islam, if you want to find a co-founder, it's not that hard because you're trying to find your best friend in a in a workspace um, and you need to know each other down to the bones, basically, to know how you're going to need to work and sort of so you can sort of sort of set up their workload between each other and know like you were going to do this and I'm going to do that. Um, and I also have a, an amazing co-founder to to Yatrid and to uh, to Sverio with David. And I mean, he's a guy who's more towards the investor part and I'm more towards tech and product and so on. So we quickly found that we are doing separate things. But um, it's extremely hard to come to uh, a new country like US Islam and to find a co-founder. And I'm impressed, impressed with the people that are sole in, uh, founders uh, because it's uh, extremely hard work because you need to do twice the load, basically. Um, yeah, so, me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, me yeah. too. Super impressed. Sorry, John, I interrupted. I'm no, very right. impressed as long too by by the <laughs> all of the factors accounted and that you're doing that. Uh, but I'm yourself. also I'm also impressed by the people who who found these co-founders quite quickly because there are some like um, accelerated programs or aggregated programs where you can sort of get connected to co-founders and start working with them. I'm also impressed of those people who they can find these co-founders and start working with them and the ones that can do that for a long time is it's also very impressive but because that's also hard uh because like yeah. i said it's it's your best friend for a couple of years um in a workspace basically i have a tip for female entrepreneurs um i have a few people that have found through female networks business networks uh, that have found mm. their co-founders through those uh, and mm. and like uh, where, where where the goal for all those are to be entrepreneurs you know some are already and some want to be and they found each other, have like special co-founder dates and <clears throat> know each other yeah. over some time and then maybe hopefully find someone to do your thing with. Mm. Someone that completes me. you, right, John? Yeah. You complete me and then you're like, let's do this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, also, you yeah, go ahead. That's me. No, no, I mean, yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I, I see the point there. Thank you for sharing, because that's that's like how you can find, like for people listening to that, how they can find like a co-founder. Uh, but also, I mean, uh, for me now, maybe it would be have, would be easier if I'm finding my next company to find a co-founder. But like at the beginning, to know how to find co-founder was not an uh, easy task. Yeah. But uh, maybe for for now it is easier because you know that, that how where to find them and when you know where to find them it's too late. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really good to find, to have like a good co-founder with you because it will make life much easier and excel things and will make it faster, of course. Yeah, and 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 it's not only about sharing the you know. The struggles, but also actually sharing the success with someone because I mean, I'm super close to my husband and my friends, but no one can really understand except for my co-founders. It's a it's a thing that, you know, what we share, no one else can actually share with us. So it's 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 both the the, the negatives and the positives that we get to do together when when go things go well. So but but I'm not saying you can't do it. You can't found a super successful company alone. I just think I wouldn't be able to like cope with it. Honestly, I'd love very I, I need someone. <laughs> yeah, I would like to try. I would actually like to try to found my own company and see how hard it is, because I mean, the workload is going to be twice as much. So I would really like to like to try to, to see how many obstacles and so on that you can face by your own to see how much can I push myself uh, and and do by that way. Uh, but uh, still, it's not probably going to be as fun journey, like you said, Cosette, because you want to share with someone and share yeah. with your wife or your girlfriend or girl, boyfriend is probably not the same. Awesome, but still not the same. <laughs> yeah. That's great, lovely. Um, Eslam, we'll move on to one of your questions next, which was, what is your routine to get things done? Um, so tell us some context behind this and your answer as to what your routine is to get things done as well. Great. That's that's the, the, the one the one million dollar question, how to get your things done, because <laughs> this is uh, this is kind of like the the everyday fight we are taking as entrepreneurs, because, you know, that's like the more things you get done, the more 
you are growing faster, the more you have, you make like the snowball effect where people uh, want to be with you, want to be on your journey, want to invest in you. And, you know, like, so this is the game we are in. So even if you are productive, still you want to have the 10 uh, percent extra or five percent or you want to like biohack your body to do something you know like uh, more i um i have like personally uh even some people like view me as i get things done and i uh, that's like the journey with lupinta has been uh, kind of fast like uh, on, on, on my end, I feel absolutely the opposite. I feel like like I am I am like slow, like snail slow, you know, like and I believe that's like I'm not getting I'm, I'm not getting things done. I know a lot of things just like need to be uh, done and I cannot do it. And I go every day. There are some things that's like I haven't done yet. Um also some things i don't know like if you have the same experience john and cosette that's like the thing is like you struggle you want to do it it's easy to do if you think about it but you want to do it but you it's, it's difficult to get it to start do it because you do want to do it mm. it is there sitting there you can just like do it if you commit to it a couple of hours you're gonna do it but the struggle on how to start on doing it so I don't know, like, if you feel the pain, <laughs> like, of everyday things, just like as I do, but, uh, yeah. So this, that, that was the, 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 the background of my question, because it's like it's everyday struggle for entrepreneur, I, I believe. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's a struggle for me as well today. I'm, I've sort of the, the biggest struggle is the list is just getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and once... Once I start with something, I always try to finish it before starting on the next thing. But that's also hard when you have employees, a lot of questions, uh, someone comes and interrupts you and you need to stop and you need to jump into the, to it again after half an hour or something like that, a lot of meetings. Um, so that's a, a big struggle. Um, but I, I try to sort of before every night I go to bed, um, I check my to-do list and each morning I have sort of my own sort of stand up in my head to, okay, what am I doing this today and what should I prioritize? What's more of a business value to the business right now than tomorrow or something like that. So trying to do my own Jira board or my own scrum or my own <laughs> sort of sort of uh, prioritization uh, in my own head every morning. Um, sometimes it's not hard. It's hard to do it every morning, but I try to uh, really hard. Do you use any tools? I'm, I have um, I, right now I have uh, Microsoft to do's. Uh, so I write up everything and then I mean everything. Uh, even if I sort of need to go shop something, I need I write it up. So just to get that in a routine. So once I come up with something, I write it up. So I've done that for a couple of years now. So um, and I actually scroll back because I read your question before and I scroll back in my to see how long I how long I was doing it for. And I stopped after like. 10 minutes. So I just try to write everything to the do's, even if it's a small thing, um, just to get that in a routine. Because if I don't, I would probably not do the big things either. So I try to do everything on a, on a list. 
maybe it's maybe it's a bit of a not a OCD or whatever you're gonna call it, but maybe it's a bit crazy. But uh, I I noticed that I've missed less stuff because when you have so many things in your head, uh, there's a lot of things gonna fall between your chairs. So they try to do everything on the list. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just extremely structured, to be honest. Uh, I am. Um, I'm also to have like to start your companies during pregnancies or maternal leaves. That also gives you a real good kick in the ass to do everything you need to do because uh, mm. you don't have the time to do anything else. So it can be very effective. No, but I'm structured, so I always have one. Uh, have you have you heard of Miro? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I have a one bubble for every like one marketing bubble, one development or or one dev bubble, and I have one sales bubble, and 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 then I have like these different um, closes on a roadmap around them, and I check with all the people that are responsible for their areas, and then I have have like my areas where I prioritize, so they get different colors. Red is really urgent. Um, orange is not so urgent. Yellow is not urgent at all. And then I can like. And I'll do it that way so I can always re-prioritize every morning. And mm. um, also, I always, because I, I've, lately it's been just a lot of meetings all the time, and I love that. But sometimes I get, I, I, I usually don't get stressed when I have a lot to do. But when I have a lot to do and, and I feel like I, I never have time to just sit down and work. So I have one day a week where I don't book any meetings. So I, I, blo I have Calendly, and I block that day in Calendly every week. So I get to just sit down and do administrative, administrative, administrative. And yeah, that was a tough word today. Um, things and, and, you know, things that I need to do and we don't have, mm. I don't have a lot of employees. So, so it's prioritizing which way to go all the time. We really, but we, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, really, thank you. Really interesting. That's like you block one day. I started to like, like three months ago, I started to block Wednesday and Friday two days <laughs> like no mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and that's good i think that's very good to do that because i mean sometimes when i'm i'm i often i'm always on the office in office but when i do have a lot of stuff to do i try to work from home because when i work from home yeah. i don't go get bothered that's the big plus because otherwise someone comes and knock at your shoulder and says hey can you help me with this and so on and um i mean i've been working with i don't know if you guys know what jira is uh product management yeah. system um and i've been working with that for i don't know what is 10, 10 years or something like that now um and i worked before as a project manager uh on an advertising agency with big nordic accounts and there's a lot of moving parts so i sort of learned the hard way to do the to-do list but also to work with jira so w within the companies how do we sort of prioritize and how do we get things done not for myself but also for the team because right now we're we're 13 people but we were around 20 last year uh before everything sort of went down in the stock market uh but i mean we we try really to prioritize by setting sort of business value. And sometimes we play sort of a business um, value poker, uh, we call it. Um, so oh, I would love time, to hear more about that. <laughs> so we, we do like, um, we do like uh, the stakeholders or the management or the people that should be involved in the decision making is we do um, have a poker board basically on, on the online. So 
and we discuss the task or the project or the, the things we need to do and say, okay, is this a one or 10? If it's a 10, then it's, it's very high business value. So that's why we need to prioritize in the top and so on. So, and I try to do that for myself as well on my own to-do list and say, okay, how much of the business value is this? Is this a 10? Yeah, okay, and then I need to do it today. And if it's a one, okay, I can push it down, push it down, push it down. The ones are always the ones that never get done, but yeah, <laughs> so something like that. Yeah, I think I, I love that. I love that idea, John, and I'm definitely going to do that, actually. <laughs> Thank you for that. But but that is kind of one thing that sometimes you're very caught up in your product and the things you're doing and the cool tech that you're developing and everything. But what John says about business value, that is something that always should be prioritized because sometimes you're like, I just want to refine my product and refine my product and refine. But are you refining it to what you can actually sell? Because in the end, no money means no business. So so focusing on on business value is, I think, one of the most important things and don't develop things that you that people won't buy and 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 don't do things that no one's interested in because you are you're not really the you know the one that's going to say if it's interesting or not you have an initial, initial idea but normally like a startup after two three four years they're doing a very, not a completely different thing but they're doing it in a different way with a diff different set of tools and and stuff like that so business value it's an awesome thing to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Lovely. Um, well, John, we'll go on to one of your questions next. Um, and the first one you asked was about talent um, and how do you recruit and find talents for your starter? Um, so tell us a bit more about this question. Yeah, they, I mean... Like I said, we have uh, had a lot of different employees during the years. So I mean, we, we founded JTrade, which was the first company within the group, um, was it 2015? So in the beginning was me and David, and then we started sort of friends and family networks and sort of trying to hire people because in the beginning, the sort of the clash, the cash flow is sort of the most important thing and your how much cash you have and how much you're spending and so on. So we tried to try to be sort of hire people on a lower salary, but something that we notice and we notice during the year is that we're not supposed to be sort of stupidly cheap, because once you try to okay, let's find a junior person on a lower salary, which will help us now because we don't have to spend so much money. But for if some reason that person quits or uh, leaves or whatever, um, then the cost of hiring a new person would probably be more than you saved in from the beginning. So I'm sort of, during the years, I've always trying to see, okay, do we really need a junior person on this or should we go on a more senior person here? Because that senior person might be able to do twice as much work as a junior person, but not cost us cost more, but will not probably stay longer and get more uh, stuff done probably. So I'm trying to sort of to work and recruit talents with how to say sort of not hiring junior because that's a huge risk, but either it works or doesn't, but hire people that you know can do that are more senior so you can spend more money now instead of spending 
even more money in two years because then you also you wanna you wanna get that person to grow by giving them educations and let them get get more uh, knowledge and so on. But if you have a junior person, you are maybe saving money at the moment, but it will cost more in two years because maybe in two years you need to hire a C level person, and then it's gonna cost a lot more uh, capital and. That's it's gonna hit you in the cash flow and everything when you are there at that moment, so to speak. So, my sort of words is, I we don't want to be stupidly cheap, uh, but how do you sort of think in this area and how do you sort of recruit talents? Well, um, if I can uh, chime in, I, I I agree. I don't think that having a startup is just underpaying people uh, just to try to get away as cheap as possible because you need talent as much as everyone else. But what I think is a good thing to do is have those more senior people and maybe give them some kind of options in the company instead to give them a, you know, something to like if you stay on three years, then you get this and that. And and also always, always make sure you have an intern as a junior person working with them, um, because that way you always have those people that are going to grow with the company and maybe get their job first job there and and they're junior so you hope you have that balance with juniors because junior people can bring in something totally different that you're like oh right because they have new knowledge and they just you know finish school and have a different perspective and maybe you also have maybe you have clients or a target group that actually that the junior person understands better so i think maybe it's 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 more of a question of like right person at the right place, but always mm. keep a an intern hanging on to that senior person that can both be an employee in the future, but also bring in something else to the table, and they can, you know, teach each other things. Yeah, and I uh, I agree with the sort of the options and and, and stuff uh, within the company. We've done that several times during the years, and also the, the interns as well, uh, but. Sometimes we have stepped on mines and sort of being better, being stupidly cheap, basically. So yeah. Can you, because I, I would love to know, like, what are the biggest risks about working that way? You say. Like just I mean, because of, I'm curious to know actually. No, I mean, I mean, we the biggest risks is if let's say uh, we have we have done all different ways so i mean we've done your way that you just explained so we give op uh, options to more senior people and we have still senior people here working um and work with them for five six seven years uh but then sometimes we have done where we said okay now we need to sort of not spend as much money but we still need to have a person employed in this role Okay, let's take in a junior person in this role and then not spend as much money right now. But in one year's time, that person maybe gets an experience and leaves the company. Then we need to spend even more money because then that role maybe has been bigger and we need a more senior person. So for us, it would have been better if we would have hired that senior person from the start instead of having to take in a recruitment agency and spending much money on recruitment and so on. So for us, as, or for me at least, I see it as a way But instead of spending, spend more money now than need to spend even more money in one year's time. So that's my thought about it. 
but I 100% agree regarding the options because that's a very good way and very good solution to sort of recruit and sort of find those senior talents that can really do the job and really do the, the job that you need, basically. I mean, it's great if you can't pay that much salary because sometimes even if you want to pay a lot of salary, you don't just you just don't have the money. So it's just plain and simple. Money. There's no money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you have the options. You have the options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get people well, to believe in you and, and you got it. <laughs> for my experience with recruiting, I have been doing a lot of different things. I have hired people just coming from the university and. It was always since we started, like we have been paying average market salary. So I haven't been in in a position where we are uh, underpaying, but we have had interns as well. And we have, I have had a policy since I started, even before I give myself salary. Uh, any intern should be paid in time. So we never did like an, uh, an unpaid internship. Even the pay is little, symbolic, uh, but still you have to have a payment. Even uh, our latest intern, there was like school intern. So there's like a, the, it's a school uh, internship. That means they are already doing it for their school. And still we give this symbolic payment for the internship because mm -hmm. like, that's one of the policy. It is a symbolic thing. It is kind of like you are see showing appreciation for the intern. And because, yeah, free, like just like free internship, it feels free. It feels just like, yeah, we got an internship. And some people, like they feel, oh, okay, but we have been like, yeah, people like even... I mean, just like, I don't know, like, if you if you have seen that before, but, like, sometimes, like, I see interns, like, even in other companies, after they get the internship, but they feel they are, like, somehow cheated by taking internships. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, if you have seen that before. Like, well, I've seen, like... I haven't. No. Well, well we, we don't do it, but I, I understand what you mean, but they don't really use their potential. They just see them as a as a different, uh, because I don't really agree with you with the paid internship for school interns. You don't agree? That, no, I don't. Uh, the reason why I don't agree is because um, they do get paid from school. They pay, mm -hmm. get paid from, you know, get their monthly thing. And and I don't see it as they're being cheated. I, I see it as they getting a lot of knowledge that we're giving them say through the three months, we're giving them knowledge network um, into a new, you know, like for the, for example, in the sustainability, getting into the sustainability um, um, branch, <laughs> just gonna find yeah. over right now, but that whole area. And uh, I mean, the intention is that they'll, they'll get a job at the end of that mm -hmm. term. So I don't actually agree. I think it's, it's, uh, it's a nice thing to show that, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing. I want to be here. I want to learn and also, you know, take care of them and teach them things and, 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 and get them to get more education and, and actually, you know, they, they're paid in a different way than through money from the company. They're paid with knowledge oh. and network and, and the state pays them money every month. That's like, that's the, that's how I see the, the cooperation. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's why I think that's what, uh, 
something we decided at the company at from the very beginning as i as i mentioned just like i have done it before with my first intern before i get before i had salary myself mm-hmm. and the intern wanted to start at all like uh, like no i'm not starting before i have enough money to pay something as as okay. intern like i mean we are not like so and also we have been doing this junior uh, recruitments and we have been doing like the 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 senior recruitments which is like they are taking extracting a lot of money monthly uh, yeah. for the salaries and i find the sweet spot something in between not very junior not very senior someone have like couple of years of experience they have done something before they are they know what means what means work and what mean just like to add value and uh, but the most important to for me to find someone they have a reason to succeed mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. find like whatever person but they don't have the reason to succeed they have the reason to sustain themselves i try to avoid the people who who, who want to sustain themselves mm-hmm. and i always just and I am. I can take less experience with someone when I succeed, versus much more experience with someone wants to sustain, because they bring completely different energy. Because yep. the ones who want to sustain, you want to work hard with them to uh, to get them get things done and to guide them and to make them uh, align with you. But the ones who hunger to succeed, they do it for themselves first. Mm. So uh, I, I'm always looking into the ones who want to do something for themselves first, and yep. then to to the world after. Yeah, and I'm, and and I have to say, like when we've talked to people, it hasn't been that much about salary stuff. But maybe it's because we're a value-driven company, and our mission and our vision is very clear, and people want to be a part of that, and maybe not. You don't ask as much about the money. Of course, money is important to everyone, but it's like a couple of thousand here and there maybe isn't what's going to make them want to want to work with us. Uh, and, and I mean, wh- whatever job or advisory role or whatever it is, it's more about I really want to be a part of this. And and I think that's a very important thing to do as a startup, to write down your values and talk about what, why are we doing this? What's our why? And and and. And, and and see a company as the employees, they are here to develop the company and the company is here to develop the employees. So we have like this, we have like this contract towards each other to do the best that we can towards each other all the time. And and then, I mean, that, I mean, I, I understand what you mean as long with sustain and success, but I maybe I don't have the same vision of success maybe i think that's someone that loves to do just one thing and doesn't really want to be super successful in that just wants to do their thing and go home and that can be a great person for the culture too to show that you know we all we're all different and we have our thing and and it's okay to not want to reach the top but want to be a boss and want to be that and that i mean it's kind of awesome to just i love crunching these numbers and then i don't want to do anything else i want to go home afterwards and and that can be a very very important person for the company and and you can find ways for them to develop and, and find um find you know a purpose to be where they are. So so I think mm-hmm. it's like uh, focusing a lot on the individual and what drives them because everything, you know, 
people are driven by different things, every single person. So I think that's more um, what we focus on. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, this question is probably the most hardest question for yeah. every start. I mean, you, the, yeah. the employees, yeah. they're there to grow and grow with the company and companies there for the employees. And if you don't have the right talent, then you don't have a company. Um, and that's that's hard. Uh, so it's a hard question. And I think, like you said, everyone is different uh, and you need to sort of evaluate every single person that you're interviewing and it can be a junior person that still can be a senior person but you need to do a, your own individual evaluation on every single person that's sort of the main key, the key here i think um and everyone is different yeah sometimes it's just you, know, you get people there that you realize shouldn't be there and then yeah, that's a different exactly. that's a different question you're like i love this person and then like what this was not what i thought was gonna happen. And sometimes, but, sometimes you found out you have people within the company that can be much better on another role. Uh, that sort of wait, this person is in the is is in the wrong place in the company. So move it over here, and the new person will grow and work with the company even better. So that's I mean, internal recruitment is something that we don't, we shouldn't sort of hide here because that's especially if you have. 20 plus, uh, then there's a lot of talent within the company maybe that you're missing because you're always yeah. looking outside the company. Uh, maybe it's inside the company as well. Yeah, but I totally start- agree, John. I, I totally agree. Actually, like the the company that I'm an advisor for, the AI company, there are over 50, 60 people now. And, and we just started to like look at how can they like have a process for internal recruitment because people mm. want to grow and and if you have someone that actually loves the company and has learned the company and, and the, then you have, I mean, that's that's great potential. And big, huge companies, they always have like this whole you know, process where you get to um, apply for the jobs, the internal jobs and everything. So and there you can really agree there. Yeah. To your point, John, we uh, we have had uh, like someone working with us for a few months now in a, like hourly based contract in the production mm. because we do the production ourselves we don't outsource the production we uh, and uh, oh. and then we have had uh, a sales guy we had to let go because of uh, performance issues and then i got a text from this guy working in the production uh, just like he texted me like okay hey i would like to meet you i think i have a lot of energy uh, that's I can bought uh, somewhere else in the company, and uh, yeah, I'm just like uh, let's meet. And then I met with him. Okay, his name is John. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, okay. But now we need sales, John. And then uh, yeah, go and try. And he's like that. That's his first week doing it as. And he's getting accounts. He's getting new accounts. Oh wow! He's performing much more than the the sales guy we have had, and try to guide and help and support. And he was doing production, even like he was hired by the person responsible for the production. So I didn't interview him for the for anything. And just like his like he closed like a couple of two or three new customers in few days, and with no proper training because we just like told them like okay. We're not gonna invest on like making like the proper 
uh, onboarding on the sales. Just like try to go and see how it, how it goes with you, John. And then just like he's doing, like he's doing great. So uh, yeah, to your point, it's like 100%, John. Like someone might be doing something and then just like might perform much better somewhere else and you need them. They are under your eyes, but you don't see them. But it was like, yep. you know, like brave from him. He texted me. I can do much more than what I do right now. Mm. No, but exactly, exactly. We've done the same. Well, same again, sort congratulations. Of... <laughs> Thank you. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> Lovely. Uh, can I just like say something yeah, else uh, around the recruitment thing? Because uh, the most successful companies, uh, like uh, revenue-wise and others, is the versatile, versatile companies that have different people from different ethnicities and, and genders or whatever. So look at that early on, start like, don't recruit people that are like you. I'm not saying it's you guys. I'm saying people look at it. Don't recruit people that are like you because you already have those. So it's better to recruit people that are not like you and who don't agree with you because everyone mm. that agrees with you won't actually challenge the company to grow. So, so, um, Try to be open-minded to people that it's not always just the people you want to, you know, have a beer with. That's going to be the good people for the company. That's not the same thing. Yeah. And coming back to the sort of co-founder part, same thing there. It's yeah. good to have a co-founder that doesn't agree with you because then you can do progress. Uh, not all the time. You need to sort of, sometimes you need to argue because otherwise you will probably take the same decisions. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's like a relationship again, right? <laughs> the people that don't talk about their problems, they're just going to mount up and eventually it's going to... Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, find people that know how to talk about issues. Very good. Yes. I, I love that, yeah. Lovely. Also, um, oh, go on, yeah. Islam, last one. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, for the disagreement, uh, like, even like, if you are looking for someone to disagree with you, but it's really important to find someone disagree with you and know how to disagree. Yeah. Mm. So someone who knows how to communicate, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really. Me and my co-founder, we had a rule. If we started to argue, we never left the room until that argue was done. And we never did. Don't don't, don't go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> don't go to sleep in an argument. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a relationship. Yeah. See, yeah. see there, actually yeah. there are a lot of similarities. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel like the podcast is taking slightly a different turn and this is um, how yeah. to find a spouse. <laughs> um, but lovely, we'll move on to um, probably the last question now as obviously I know we're heading up towards the hour mark and I don't want to, you know, keep, we could keep you guys here all day. Um, but the last question is a bit of a selfish one from me, really, um, as, you know, I am a vegetarian and I am very sustainable and I try to be sustainable in the way that I work and shop um and obviously all your companies have sustainability close to your hearts as well and that's one of the reasons that i messaged you guys in the first place to be part of this podcast um but i just wanted to know why is sustainability important to you and your business uh, and why have you included it in your business we'll start <laughs> um <laughs> No, but I mean, I mean, for for us, it's been J Trade, who we were, the company we started was. We wanted to sort of, we wanted to change something. We wanted to change a way, a pattern that when we started J Trade, fast fashion was the big thing. I mean, 
companies. I don't want to name names here, but uh, big companies that produced a lot of clothes in China and sold it very cheap and so on was was a big, big thing. Uh, it still is, unfortunately. Uh, but but we were like, we wanted to change a behavior, a pattern within the consumers. And when we started JTrade, secondhand was a bit of a dirty word. People was like secondhand that smells is like grandma, grandma smell or something like that. Um, and that was 2015. And I mean, for now we're doing this for what is it? Oh, shit. Seven years. <laughs> um, it's the change that we've seen is huge. I mean, we got companies that sell the Vistel Collective in France. Uh, we got JTrade. We got a lot of lot of different secondhand platforms coming up. Um, and the next thing is sort of the resale part uh, part. So the companies themselves, uh, brands, I mean, uh, sort of like Gilineberg, Flippa K, those kind of companies need to start working with another kind of segment, which is also secondhand. So for us, it's always been our DNA to try to do something that changes a consumer's behavior. Um, and not only doing it by um, sort of, yeah, doing a, an e-commerce where it's selling stuff. I mean, we can also let people help them sell their stuff, but also help companies create their own secondhand solutions and create their own resales. Because it's not only secondhand, it's a big problem within the fashion market. Uh, there's also a big overstock uh, production that everyone misses, or not misses, but everyone knows it. It's like landfills and so on. So, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was a huge um, writing in newspapers regarding fashion brands sort of burning up clothes and so on in fields and all that. So consumers has always been good in adapting in new ways when it comes to secondhand and now secondhand is growing and now it's the brand's part. So for us, this has been a huge part in our company's DNA and vision to sort of yeah change our behavior for everyone. <clears throat> I can I can continue because it's quiet, so <laughs> I'm guessing I can. Um, well, Removement is in itself a company that aims to keep the global warming at not over one and a half degrees. So it's like the whole, well, you know, it's good. we have to cut our emissions according to the Paris Agreement, but it's not actually going to be enough. We also need to remove 10 billion tons of CO2 per year till the year 2050 to be able to to reach our targets and this is a big part of it so we are the first platform or first reseller or enabler in sweden that actually gives companies the opportunity to invest in frontier carbon removals and permanent carbon removals and we also do agriculture uh, regenerative agriculture which which is like the other part of it because we and as long we really need to talk afterwards because uh, uh <laughs> A lot of ideas that we could do together. Well, anyways, so 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 it's in our like the whole company is a sustainable company, but we also are sustainable. I mean, I think for me the I've always like been personally interested in sustainability, but my my turning point was when my water broke at a Fridays for Future march. I think that's when I looked down and I was all like, okay. Let's uh, a few a few weeks afterwards. I I really need to do something around the environment, and I manifested it. And I met my co-founders, one of them I've worked with many years, and, and founded another company with. But 
But um, I just couldn't not work with sustainability anymore. And I have two kids. And honestly, it was not a nice future that I was leaving behind. And I, I couldn't cope with it anymore. So it's just like, it's more that I had to do this more than how, why did you do this? Because what else would I do? That's that's mm. how I feel. Yeah, for me also, it's really interesting to get, to go, to get into the world of sustainability. Because interestingly enough, 2014, I didn't know what is the word sustainability whatsoever. I started agri- uh, conventional agriculture, and then it happened that I started a couple of courses with uh, student of agro- Master of Agroecology at uh, SLU Olnarpir in Sweden, and, uh, you know, agroecology student. So, you know, like, started to, to talk about, like, yeah, farming without uh, fertilizers and without... Uh, uh, pesticides and all that, just like, are you sure about what you're talking about right now? Are we going to farm without using chemical fertilizers and pesticides? Are you sure that's like you want me to leave my uh, like my harvest to the best to the best to eat it up and mm-hmm. so to keep the environment? Are you sure about that? Because for me, coming from Egypt, and I know like the farmers are not like here in Sweden, for instance, they are businessmen in a way because the farmer could could farm 50 to 200 to 300 hectare and they call farmer but like in egypt where like they have like they own like a tenth of a hectare and that's all what they provide like they use to provide for entire family so for me uh when i hear a word farmer uh it is about survival it's about like having like this micro 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 land to feed an entire family for the entire year. So of course you are not sacrificing the the harvest to care about sustainability or to care about the environment. Also just like not something I I would think of. I would think about like maximizing the uh, the income for the farmer. That's just like that's the only thing. So I started to think about it and just like having like this conversation and just like I got to realize what means to have balance ecosystem what means that we have a bigger problem we are facing due to our i mean just like and all comes like to like ignorance i didn't i did not know i didn't have the chance to get the knowledge from anywhere i saw the conversion agriculture we didn't talk about the subjects and i was like not in the news uh where i come from in egypt like much talk about like sustainability for instance and like no kind of like education putting into that. And send the problem there, by the way. But anyway, uh, so I got started, but I had one question that always like puzzled me that sustainability had to be expensive. To buy anything sustainable must be exclusive, expensive. And that was the question always I wanted to solve <laughs> since I was, I studied like 2014, 2015. I didn't know the answer. And then around 2018, when I started with Lupinta, that was like, ah, okay, that could be the answer then for making sustainability affordable, not exclusive, because if sustainability is exclusive, then we are not making any progress. Sustainability mm-hmm. should be affordable to everyone. Sure, a sustainability should, should be accessible to everyone to be able to make difference. And also for me, sustainability 
also in the communication also back then also the second question not only the exclusivity and the, the accessibility but also the question of uh, the sustainability means sacrificing so you have to sacrifice something to be more sustainable and i think sustainability should be on providing great options convenient options for people so they can adapt but if your conversation about sustainability focus only on sacrificing then you won't have enough people joining you so these two kind of like two things that's my lifelong mission to work around so it's about accessibility and uh, and not sacrificing uh, element in the in the in the equation. Mm. Yeah, agree. I, so I agree. You, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what. Yeah, because I mean, now it is the. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're very right in that uh, sustainability is very discriminating today. And um, I think that we that are, you know, the top percent in the world, the top consuming percents in the world, we should also be the people, you know, paying the money and making sure that people without those, that privilege gets to be sustainable too. And that's uh, as I'm like, like, uh, like now we're in general agriculture, a lot of companies are actually paying the farmers to regenerate and try because during that, like from when they go from, you know, pesticides and how they use their land and how they crop their fields to actually being not, not sustainable, but regenerative, um, they get paid through that transformation. And then afterwards their yields are actually going to be higher. So it's the transformation part where, companies can today can actually help you and other companies are willing to pay you <laughs> to do it. But um, yeah, so a lot of things are also happening because that's one of the things that I want to like inject here is that, yeah, it is dark and it looks grim, but I'm actually pretty positive. I, I talk to people all the time. We're trying to change the system and change the world and, and change the way we do things. And, and, and it makes me hopeful like one of the things that I read the other day is like half of all of the traffic that goes, you know, with ferries across big boats across the oceans all the time and pollute the oceans. Half of them are actually used to transport oil and coal. So if we phase out phase out oil and coal, we will also phase out 50 percent of, of that traffic. So, I mean, there are also like we have exponential, you know, changes in the climate. We can maybe also have exponential exponential changes like for the climate so so i'm hope i'm hopeful and we should we should all be hopeful of course yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should. or else we can yeah. just lay down and die honestly <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. and i think on that note we'll keep it positive we'll all be hopeful yeah. um and on that note we'll leave the podcast there of course we all had more questions and there could definitely be chance for a part two um but this has been the evolution exchange podcast i want to take this opportunity to thank eslam john and cosette for providing your insights into the topic and thank you all for listening as well if you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts reach out to me on linkedin or by email at abby.stokes at evolution dash nordics.com see you next time